This episode of The Loyal Sun Show is brought to you by Rendine Consulting. If you've listened to us for any amount of time, you know all about Rendine Consulting's commitment to the Pitt Athletics program and brand, and how much they've meant to the Loyal Suns. That's Rendine Consulting, providing investment managers assistance with technology integration. Visit www.rendineconsulting.com for more information. That's www.rendineconsulting.com. The majority of this episode was recorded on Sunday afternoon. Shortly thereafter, we were shocked to learn about the tragic events that led to the deaths of three University of Virginia football players. On Sunday night, November 13th, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry were shot and killed at an on-campus parking garage by another former UVA player. Several other players were injured in the shooting, but are thankfully recovering from their injuries as we speak. By all accounts, Devin, Lavelle, and Deshaun were upstanding members of the Charlottesville community and promising young student-athletes, and they will not be soon forgotten. We at the Loyal Sons would like to send our deepest sympathies to these men's families and to the entire UVA community. This episode is dedicated to Devin, Lavelle, and Deshaun. May they rest in power. Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sun Show. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for Pitt Sports content you won't want to miss. If you love pick sixes and hate basketball again, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sun Show, a safe, sunshiny place for your Pitt Athletics fix, brought to you by Pittsburgh Sports Now. Today is Wednesday, November 16th, and... The Pitt Panthers kind of ran UVA out of the gym, their best performance yet this year. Just absolutely dominating from the first snap. Best performance, I would say, all around that Pitt's had this year. And also, it was maybe the most boring game of the season thus far. Yeah, it was the most exciting start, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. But I struggled to remember most of the second half just because it was so clearly over. I would go farther than the second half. The The last three quarters of the game, Pitt went up four scores and then kind of sat on the ball. Um, not to complain about a huge win against an in-division uh, you know, opponent. Would have loved to see them take advantage of that big lead to kind of experiment a little bit. Uh, you know, Let Slovis sling it a little bit, open I up think the playbook, we're get well some past, young guys in. I think we're well past the point of experimentation with this offense. I think it is what it is, and they're going to limp to the finish line and win games however they they think they can win them. They did air it out a little bit. I was impressed by how early they were taking some shots. Like Bob Means, I gasped whenever we threw a deep ball to him. 
I guess I was I was operating under the assumption that Signetti knows he might be coaching for his job at this point and therefore might want to give like a little red meat going into, you know, hypothetically next season. But uh yeah, I mean kind of let me have that. I just want to there's still a part of my brain that thinks like in the fourth quarter of our last game of our bowl game or something something's going to click and Signetti's going to start calling this beautiful offense that they've been hiding all season. But Dylan, you're probably right. They won 37-7. We can nitpick all we want, but at the end of the day, they went in and absolutely dominated an inferior divisional opponent. And, I mean, if if we want to rant about Signetti for 20 minutes like we do every week, we can do that, but... I'm going to go ahead and hold my head high knowing that we got a 30-point win in conference. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, take the style points and excitement out of it. Slovis had 145 QB rating. Izzy rushed for 120. Hammed another 39. Uh, that's how you draw up wins with this pit team. The defense played their best game by far. I'm not complaining. No, no, no no complaints. No complaints. I'm, except, I mean, I'd love to see Except Slovis. for all the complaints we just did. Yeah, except for Slovis underthrowing two or three deep balls uh, would have been a lot prettier. But at the end of the day, who cares? We won. I just wish that we had discovered this formula earlier in the year. I mean, if we could have picked off Hendon Hooker the first two plays of the Tennessee game and returned them for touchdowns, we'd probably win that game. If we had picked off Jeff Sins um, you know, and, and scored 14 points in the first 15 seconds of that game, we'd probably win it. Louisville, UNC. I, it's just a shame that it took us this long to figure out the secret sauce. Maybe next week they'll do it again. I mean, why not get three consecutive pick sixes? Is that right? They should hire you. Yeah. But honestly, even outside of the pick sixes, the defense played unbelievable. They've really come on lately. Um, eight sacks. They let up 144 total yards. Total yards. And now the nation's leading team in sacks. We've been talking all year about how the pass rush has been disappointing. Guess what? Chuck Partridge has them right back at the top. Yeah, yeah. It only took two games, 14 sacks in two weeks. But um, they're good. The defensive ends, the much maligned defensive ends that we have talked so much shit on this year. Um, Alexander Morgan and Haba have had seven sacks in the last two games amongst the three of them. Kalaja Kansi, obviously on the interior, but three sacks this week. I think I saw a big board today putting him as the number 45 prospect in this upcoming draft class. And this is the first time I'm really seeing him talked about in that vicinity, mm-hmm. uh, or at least this season. And that still feels a little too low. Cansey is going to be another one of those guys where he's playing on Sundays and people are going to be like, really? He went to Pitt and he played with Jordan Addison and Kenny Pickett. Like that team was that team had to be crazy. And they were. They were. They were. That's not going to be the the sad story of the James Conner, Tyler Boyd Pitt teams that went seven and six with Aaron Donald. With Aaron Donald. Yeah. But yeah, Cansey is just an absolute animal. Narduzzi said he's the best defensive tackle he's ever coached and just need to acknowledge him because there's just sometimes where 
guys are playing on a completely different level. You're like, oh, he is better than all other 21 guys on the field right now. And that was Kalijah Kansi all Saturday. It seems like the only time he isn't in on the play is whenever it's a play to the complete other side of the field because he beats his guy every single play. Or the guys, plural, who try to stop him. It doesn't matter. And it's usually multiple. I mean, he's been doing it all season. I think I saw he had nine um, pressures on 21 or 22 pass rush attempts against uh, Virginia, which don't ask me to do quick math, but that's not far from 50% win rate, which is ridiculous. Like the, the best players in the NFL, I don't know if they hit 20. Yeah, Kansi is going to make some NFL team very happy next year. And I will miss him. He has been just wrecking ACC offensive lines for the past three years. And that's a guy who I will miss watching play football in the in the blue and gold. Yeah, might as well move to the back end of the defense. I thought the same thing about Servasio Dennis. He's really been a staple the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. Uh, menace in the backfield. And on top of that, Tyler Wilkes was a guy. I was asking, like, are we sure he has that many eligibility left? I did not think I'd be saying that a month or two back, but he's been really solid. And the linebackers have really stepped up because week one, they looked really bad. West Virginia ran all over us. So they've come a long way, too. Shane Simon as well. Shane Simon's played well. We'll lose probably all three of those guys. So we'll be scrambling next camp to fill those linebacker spots uh, assuming Servassier goes to the NFL I would I would have to think he's got to be on the NFL's radar right now so I've been pleased with uh Solomon DeShields he's come in and he's he's looked like he's promising um Camara maybe next year yeah I think also with the Shields I mean I think he played a lot but I think Wiltz has taken a lot of those reps and so is yeah, absolutely I, I don't know the last time I really saw the Shields make many plays. I I think it's been mainly those older guys, but either way, they've looked really good. I think the defensive backs obviously with the two pick sixes, but MJ Devonshire continues to make plays. He had some hiccups early in the season, the Tennessee game. I know uh, maybe a bit of a letdown after the the pit six in week one, but Mm -hmm. I feel like Devonshire has just been really solid this year and just going to be another in the long line of greats from Aliquippa to the NFL. So feeling pretty good about the team right now. It seems like we just went through and complimented like every (laughs) position group. (laughs) I I guess I wouldn't use those words. Well, what what would you say then? Because we mean Squid seem pretty, pretty chipper about uh, the the direction of this team right now for the rest of this season. No, I I, I mean I think this team does have a chance to um, put lipstick on a pig, so to speak, the rest of the way. Um, this season has not been what we imagined, and I guess that is a good thing because they could they still have. The potential to hit nine wins, which for a pit team is very good. Historically. It's not what we expected coming into this. This season has not gone how we expected, and we're very lucky that there's still an opportunity, given the strength of our remaining schedule, um, to put a bow tie on it, you know, 
Well, here's the thing. Save some yes, face. Yes, yes, yes. We were ready for the national championship. We were looking up where the playoff was, if we were going to go to the playoff. But you have to think, a few weeks back, people were saying we might not make a bowl game. And now nine wins is pretty realistic. So I think we have to uh, give this team a little bit of praise. As ugly as it has been, I think we got to give them some props because it, it did look bad. It was almost fire everybody territory. Everybody's going to leave territory. And they're salvaging. They're making the best of it, even though we had some bad hiccups. I mean, if Pitt, standards. if Pitt finishes the season nine and four with five straight wins, how how are you going to feel? Are we just going to sit back and pout and be like, we thought we were going to win the ACC. We thought we were playoff contenders. Like, are we going to pout about a season that prior to last year, every Pitt fan would have took 10 times out of 10? I mean, this is, I understand that expectations change, you know, how you perceive results. But if Pitt wins nine games, they have 20 wins in the past two seasons. And there aren't a ton of power five teams who can stake that claim. So I just wonder... Are we just going to pout through the rest of the season if they do run the table and just be like, oh, we should have been in a New Year's Six Bowl. It's it's a waste of a season. I, I don't care. Well, so for starters, we're, we're really making – I mean, I know nine and four is possible, but I'm not even saying hold your horses. Like hold at least a horse, singular, you know, like like at least – kind of temper your I'm not your writing it off as a nine and four season but if we're going to complain about 37 to 7 win i mean what where do we stop there i i think the important distinction here in in how we summarize this season and how we feel about it is do we are we is our goal now seasons that are good relative to the last 40 years of pit football or were we hoping that they were going to build on the success of last year and and elevate the profile of the program? And again, nine if thirty thousand foot view, um, what would that be? It would be twenty one wins actually in two seasons. Wait, no, twenty. We had, we had twelve last year, didn't? We? No, we were eleven and three. I'm sorry, my bad. I, I count the bowl. Uh, pick as it played. Win. Yeah. Pick it pick, played pick in an alternate universe. So, so yeah, 20 wins in two seasons is good. Um, it's very good. It's almost unprecedented in the modern era of pit football. Um, but it is. <laughs> correct. <laughs> <Not> almost unprecedented. <laughs> but you. Yeah, you I think we can all agree that this will you be. You can't tell me this season, season is what you expected. No, or the the direction I, you no. were hoping the program was going to go. You can't tell me that for the next nine months, everyone will say, "Man, if we made those field goals against Tennessee and if Georgia Tech, blah 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 blah." Uh, I agree. This could have been drastically different, but on the same page, there we are not that far off from this being a really good season. So I, I think we can all take a deep breath and realize that. The sky isn't falling. We don't need to fire Narduzzi. No, we are, no. We are pretty darn close to getting back to that. We're not taking six steps back and we're behind the eight ball. We're, we're up there with all the best teams in the ACC, even though we kind of just 
got crapped on by the best team in the coastal. Squid, Squid, we we were talking about earlier before we started recording that after the Western Michigan game last year, that Pitt fans were actually calling for Pitt to just step down and play at a lower level, maybe get out of the Power Five. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, what's the Why point? Why do we even have a program if we can ever get there? <laughs> just burning money. Yeah, burning yeah. money. Yeah. Focus on basketball. Like all this crazy stuff. And then Pitt rattles off the 2021 season and ACC championship. This season, obviously not what we had hoped for, but if you're going to look at things and say we win, and once again, this is assuming we win the next three games, which is a huge assumption at this point. Right. But if you win 11 games and nine games back to back, I would say that that doesn't just mean Pitt completely took a huge gargantuan step back this year in the programs into a tailspin it means that we lost our heisman trophy uh, finalist quarterback a blitnikoff winning wide receiver and the team regressed from that standard but to sit here and act like a nine and four season would just be a huge step back and the program's going to shit and i i just i'm trying to be positive here i'm probably you're you're more positive than the average pit fan go ahead no, I was just agreeing with you, please. I'm probably more positive than the average Pitt fan. Not a hard thing to do. Not hard to do mm-hmm. whatsoever. But there has to be some perspective there. And just because we thought we were college football playoff good in the preseason and some ACC analysts said we were and the players were breaking down on Natty. Maybe if we just look at this from an unbiased point of view and take a step back and a deep breath and think about, hmm, we did lose our two best players, two future first round picks, and we are bringing a new offensive coordinator and a quarterback transfer, and we're not really sure. You know, he had a down year last. Maybe, just maybe, we weren't supposed to be that good. I mean, I still think we should have competed for the ACC, and I absolutely still think this team should have and could have and should have probably competed to win the Coastal, um, and that's not how it worked out. So I think that's the biggest disappointment for me is that, you know, with three weeks left in the season, we already knew we were out of the running for the Coastal, which I think, in my eyes, coast competing for the Coastal, and now the Coastal is going to be gone. So competing for a berth in that ACC championship is a very realistic and reasonable goal that Pitt fans should expect uh, to compete for it year in and year out. I don't know if I would say expect to compete for it, especially as we get rid of divisions, because let's be honest, um, I've been to the ACC championship twice, and we would have only one of those times was because we were one of the two best teams in the ACC. Um Right, but I don't think we're – if you look at the next tier of teams after Clemson, I don't think any of those programs you can look at and say are significantly above what Pitt is right now. No, I agree. I just – I wouldn't say we should expect to compete for the ACC um, on a on a year-to-year basis, but I, I think a realistic expectation for Pitt fans would be that we can pop up like a little meerkat every like three or four years and be like, ah, surprise Pitt is competent and we might sneak in the back door to uh, lose to Clemson ACC championship. Just kidding. We're going to, we're going to get, you know, a couple every once in a while, no more Trevor Lawrence is walking through the door. All right. Sign me up. ACC championship, nine, one season, nine, one season, ACC championship. Let's 
Let's pencil that in for the next couple of years. Maybe. We're absolutely finishing seven and five, aren't we? Yeah. yeah Nothing yeah, we yeah. say happens. We just mushed Pitt into an oblivion, just screamed them into the ground. Remember when we said the basketball team could make the tournament like 72 hours ago? We have to talk about basketball now, don't we? <laughs> we opened Pandora's box this year by saying, hey, let's talk about basketball no- more because now we have to. Yeah, and we were excited about it. Damn it. Hey, Panther Nation. Have you ever crashed your spin scooter going down Cardiac Hill? Or wiped out on an icy sidewalk in South Oakland? Have you ever been hit by a bus crossing Forbes Avenue? Well, you may not have to pay that hospital bill on your own. If you're hurt in an accident, pick up the phone and call Guido at Guerrera Law. Guido Guerrera is a University of Pittsburgh Law School grad, pit football superfan, and experienced personal injury attorney who's licensed in Pennsylvania and Ohio. And it is 100% free to call him for consultation on your personal injury case. So the next time you get rear-ended in Oakland rush hour traffic, or if you fall down the stairs at Peter's, call Guido. All joking aside, Oakland and the world can be a very dangerous place. If you need legal help, talk to Guido. He'll treat you like a fellow Pitt fan and never like a number. 412-229-7757 is the number to call. That's 412-229-7757 to call Guido. You can also contact Guerrero Law at GuerreraLaw.com. That's G-U-R-R-E-R-A. Call Guido today. This past Friday at the Peterson Event Center, the Pitt Panthers took on West Virginia in the basketball version of the Backyard Brawl. And let me tell you, being in the stands, it was absolutely electric for about 10 minutes. And then the Hoopies routed Jeff Cable's squad. Started out promising. Greg Elliott came out hot. Both teams were trading buckets, and the Pete was loud. I almost forgot how loud Peterson Event Center could get for a big game. And then look up at the end of the game, and Pitt lost by 25. So just as quick as everyone jumped on the bandwagon, I think people were grabbing lifeboats to jump off. Yeah, I'll start off by saying that was a vintage game with the Pete. I know it wasn't full as usual. Like back in the day, it was the hottest ticket in town. There were empty seats, not to be an attendant state fan. But despite that, it was great atmosphere. Uh, gave us a, an extra a taste of what it would be like to be a good basketball school again. And I even said the last time we were talking about Pitt, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. And I phrased it that way because I knew it was maybe a little bit irrational to have that high of hopes. So we're back down to where we should be. I was chuckling because we, we can't make a reference to like an atmosphere at a sporting event without taking a shot at Penn State, and I very much love that about us. We'll never change. No. So answer me this. I didn't 
get to watch much of the game. Um, I peeked at the score with like a little bit left in the second quarter and it was a tight back and forth game. And then I checked the final score and it was not that anymore. What, uh, what happened? Well, college basketball games are played in halves, not quarters. So I'm what did I, did I say? Quarters, second quarter. Ah, <laughs> uh, you you knew what I meant. Yeah, honestly, so Pitt was in foul trouble pretty early. Everyone in the starting lineup, essentially, Blake Henson got two fouls early. Jamarius Burton had two fouls. Nelly Cummings, Federico, so Guillermo Diaz Graham had to play extended minutes, which I'm guessing Jeff Capel really hoped he wouldn't have to, and. That was just the start of things. And then the guards really didn't handle pressure well against West Virginia's defense. Uh, West Virginia really got after them. They do that token pressure, the full court, getting after the guards. And Jamarius Burton and Nellie Cummings, quite frankly, didn't handle it very well for most of the game. I think Pitt had 12 turnovers in the first half. Mm. And it was really just kind of looked like a team that was overmatched and a team that's missing a couple pieces. And honestly, one of those pieces is a big who can bang with some of the bigger, you know, power five forwards and centers and missing John Hughley was huge. And there were, there were some missed calls here and there. The ref, the ref show, which college basketball always seems to be uh, with mm. the, with the flops and the charges that aren't charges and everything else that comes in between. I mean, Pitt didn't lose the game because of the refs. They lost by 25, but that was, those were just some of the things that, that plagued the Panthers and, I think it's the gap between Pitt and West Virginia basketball right now is not 25 points, but at the end of the game, they kind of were just running layup lines. The team kind of threw their hands up and knew, knew the game was over, which is also not a good thing. That's kind of indicative of a culture, you know, are, are we going to fight to the end, even if we're losing? So hopefully they can clean that up and play with a little more pride. Uh, Squid, I don't know if I missed anything there. I, I tried to pick yeah. out all the, all the bad things they did on Friday. Yeah, there are quite a few. I'd say the first was foul trouble. Once they once that happened, they didn't have enough uh, coming off the bench. The guys that filled in, specifically the bigs. West Virginia had a lot of easy shots inside, and having John Hughley in there probably would have helped a little bit. Um, also, it seemed like anytime Pitt tried to make a run, something would go wrong, and it'd be like a uh, an offensive foul that led to a West Virginia three on the other end. So instead of it being a seven point game, it was now like a twelve point game. There was way too many of those things, and it eventually just broke the Panthers' spirits. And uh, started playing from behind, especially as a team like West Virginia that plays strong defense. But I was encouraged to see Craig Elliott heat up. Even Nate Santos looked pretty good despite going like yeah. 0 for 5 the first game. There were some positives. They were in there. They they played with a lot of heart in the first half, but like we said, Blake Henson on the bench the whole first half. No John Hughley. Federico, the only kind of big man, wasn't able to play a big portion of that game, and it showed that they were just a few pieces away. I'm sorry, was Blake? Oh, uh, you, you said he got into foul trouble, Blake Henson. Yeah. Yeah, he he missed the majority of the first half, and quite frankly, Hughley better be healthy for this game on tonight against Michigan because Hunter Dickinson might challenge Wilt Chamberlain's scoring record uh, against the Diaz Graham twins and Federico if if Hughley can't go. There are a lot of people who went from this team is nit 
probably maybe tournament bubble team after the first game to actually we suck again. I don't think we're there. Let's get Hugo back. Let's see what we look like in a full game. This is a brand new group. So uh, get them a few games under their belt. Once they start playing the actual non-conference, hopefully they'll get some, some more chemistry. And once ACC play comes around, still be okay. So how did that performance kind of uh, reshape? Because we were all talking, you know, like, ah, could they sneak into the tournament? After a, a huge win opening night, um, does this temper us a little bit? Or do we still think this is a team that could improve to that point? Uh, I think you just have to wait and see what this team looks like with John Hughley. I mean, it's the best player on their team. One of the best bigs in the ACC. Uh, when he's back, I think we'll be able to Properly gauge, gauge that, that for real. Yeah. yeah. But without him, clearly not there. I still think NIT is probably the goal right now, getting the NIT, and you should be really happy. If they make the tournament, John Hughley's putting up 20 and 12 every night. I, I think there is very clearly still some pieces missing, and it's a good step in the right direction with building the, ro- the roster. Uh, the way Jeff Cable's tried to do through the transfer portal and everything. But yeah, same thing. Once Hughley's back, we'll, we'll have a better idea. But I, I'd be lying if I said that game didn't knock me down a peg. Just seeing some of the things that West Virginia was able to do with keeping our guards in front of them, uh, keeping them out of the paint. And that was something that our guards really struggled to do was keep West Virginia's guys in front of them, getting beat off the dribble. So there was very clearly things that West Virginia does a lot better than Pitt does at this point in time. And it would be one thing if I was saying that about a West Virginia team who was projected to challenge for the big 12 or be a tournament team. But that's a West Virginia team that in the preseason was picked ninth out of 10 teams in the big 12. So that's not even a team that's ouch. That's not even another power five team. That's really expected to be really good. It was just kind of another bottom feeder from another conference that uh-huh. kind of kind of beat up on us but preseason predictions they can go either way uh, everyone every team at this point is comprised of guys coming out of the transfer portal so do you really know who's good and who isn't um we'll see as the season goes on but i'm still excited for pit hoops i will say we went to hems before the game and then being at the peat 20 25 minutes early seeing all the people in the arena. There were a lot of West Virginia fans. I'll give that to them. The A lot of the fans were West Virginia. It wasn't all Pitt fans. But seeing people get excited about a Pitt basketball game in November and hearing how loud the peak got, especially when the game was tight early, it just reminds you how cool it is to have a good college basketball team. And, God, I really hope they can get back to competing for NCAA tournament bids competing for the conference in the ACC, because I mean, we play in a conference with Duke and UNC. Like when those teams come to town, the Peterson should be packed and it should be one of the best atmospheres you can experience in Pittsburgh sports. Yeah. And they shouldn't lose by 30. Yes. (laughs) That helps. Remember Julius Page? This is your favorite part of when we get to talk about pit basketball. <laughs> Ending it every time with like Carl Krauser. This team could use Sam Young. This team could have used Chris Taft. 
on Friday. Oh yeah, just a big body down low. Um, we should just end every hit basketball segment with this until they are back at that level. You know, okay. constantly top ten in the country. Right. Just we playing, all get one. We all playing get one. guys sitting in a circle naming athletes until they're good again. All right, Squid, go. Hmm. Remember Dante Taylor? <laughs> Doesn't count. Okay. Okay. No way. Oh no, that's wow! No, that's a great one. That's a great one. Did David? I say Nasir Robinson last time? I think he did. Oh, LeVon Kendall. Brad Wanamaker. Oh. Are you or someone you know looking for work in a recession-proof industry? Are you someone that's interested in things like having health care, having a 401k, immediate PTO accrual, an employee assistance program, referral payouts, or a $3,000 signing bonus. Our newest sponsor, Haddad Accelerated Delivery, an Amazon delivery partner, is looking for safety-minded and dependable drivers to join their delivery service team. Be a part of a company that will encourage self-ownership and award bonuses based on exceptional safety and delivery efforts. This is the ideal gig for individuals seeking full-time work or students interested in making some pretty good money during breaks. If you or someone you know is safety-focused, hard-working, organized, efficient, and team-oriented, text HADD to 464-646 to apply. I understand that that is an impossible string of letters and numbers, so here it is again. That's H-A-D-D to 464-646. For a job that's the total package, get it? Because, like, it's uh, deliveries. Hat at Accelerated Delivery is the place for you. It's time to preview the Pitt Panthers' final home game of the 2022 season. The little Loyal Sun Sportsbook action. But Squid, I think you have a little bit of an update for us from this past week. Yeah, Dylan, I really wanted to compliment the lines that you made. They're pretty spot on. Uh, first you. of all, you and I, Dylan, three points from last week, David. Uh, you were in first place. We're closing on you. We each had three correct picks. You only had one. Sorry. Yikes. Better luck this week. Thank you. But Dylan's lines, we said Izzy and Hammond to combine for over 165. They had 160. We had, will there be more touchdowns or interceptions thrown? There were two each. So keep up the good line making and you might have a future in Vegas. Vegas has... Not picking stuff, just making a line. Yeah, I was going to say, Vegas is taking so much money from me. They owe me. Maybe they can give me a job out there. Um, All right, we'll get right into it then. This is going to be a cold weather game. Uh, get your hand warmers ready. So with that in mind, do we think Pitt will have more rushing yards or passing yards come this Saturday? Squid, kick us off. Yeah, believe it or not, Pitt had more passing yards than rushing yards last week. I found that a little surprising. It was close, though. Yeah, but I was also a little surprised how willing they were to pass the ball 
kind of deep early on. We hadn't seen that in a while. They seemed content just checking it down, hitting those 10 yard out routes and pounding the rock. Uh, I didn't see that coming. So I'm going to say passing. I think this would be passing by a little bit. I can't believe I just said that, but yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, so this past week, Slovis had 208 yards passing. The team combined for 189 on the ground. So like you said, it was pretty close, 397 total yards. Mm-hmm. But they were winning the whole game. They didn't need to pass it towards the end. Right. So with that being said, weather's going to be cold. You know, Narduzzi is going to want to win this game. 14 to 7 if he can. But I'm going to go passing as well. I think Duke's going to try to lock in on that run game, make Slovis beat them. And I think Slovis makes some plays. He makes the throws he needs to. Look at this pass game. He had an 89.7 QBR. I believe that's his highest of the season. He's the second highest rated quarterback by pro football focus this past week in the power five. That's a little bit of a stretch. I, I have understand. a couple questions about that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they come up with those, but all that to be said, Slovis played pretty well. Can we give him that? Can we give him pretty well? He looked a lot more comfortable. He was sticking in the pocket. He was delivering the ball with a little bit more zip on it than I remembered. So yeah, let's see if we can do it two weeks in a row. David, we need your pick. Uh, I was just doing some real quick research. Uh, it looks like for the most part, Pitt gets more passing yards in game. They they out out pass the run game. Um, haven't haven't outrushed the pass game since Louisville. So I, I'm going to go with the passing game just because it's statistically more likely. Um, just because of the nature of how those two things work. However, that is not to say that I think we will be relying on the pass game. Yeah, that's probably a pretty safe bet either way you go. Um, so on to this next one, since the line was so close last week, we're going to go again with the same 165. Izzy and Hammond, will they combine for over 165 and a half rushing yards? David, you want to kick us off on this one? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go over again. I was wrong last week. Um, you know, we, we went up so, so much so quickly that it almost felt like there was not much of an effort to get a lot going other than get that clock winding. Um, so in a game where we need to score points or need to control the ball and it's more imperative, I, you know, I, I think you'll get more out of Izzy and Hammond because Izzy only had 120 yards, um, uh, uh, an average performance by his standards, but um, you know, Duke can score. And I think in order to keep up with them, they'll need to get a little bit more creative than they were probably willing to get up 28 against Virginia on the ground. I think that they will go over. We were pretty close last week and there really weren't many big plays as he wasn't breaking anything loose. It was pretty consistent five yards, seven yards, picking up first downs, uh, but there wasn't that one big play. I think we might get a big play this week, and that'll be enough to put those two over the top. It was a pretty uneventful, agreeable sports book this week. I'm going to go over as well. I think Izzy's probably going to go over 160 himself. He's just going to have another big game, getting 
you know, last week he, he missed a week, then he's back this week, goes for a modest 121 on the ground. And this week, I think he gets back to his form and uh, he, he's, he's got to make that push for that Doak Walker award. You know, Narduzzi, yeah. you know, Narduzzi's going to be flaunting that he had a he had a guy at the awards ceremony as a finalist for the best running back. So I'm going to go over our we ran the ball 2022 hang the banner. Yeah, yeah, they'll hang it right up in the act. Um, I think our biggest threat on this one is Sebo Flemister. I think if Sebo mm. keeps putting together some really solid performances, this past week he had eight carries for 38 yards, a lot in some cleanup duty, some spot action here and there. But I think he's shown to be a pretty capable running back, and he runs really hard. I like the way Sebo runs. So maybe if they they get him some touches early and he shows something. Maybe he steals some of those carries from Izzy, some of those carries from Rodney Hammond. So he could be the big threat there. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I do think they go over. If we included Sebo in this uh, in this metric, what would we bump the line up to? One ninety. Last week they went for one eighty nine. I'd bump it up to two hundred. Interesting. Just curious. Just curious. Okay. Them boys running. You know, dude's going to want to run it when he steps out and feels that, sees that frost on his windshield on Saturday morning. All right. On the next one. Any day. Any day. On to the next one. Riley Leonard, quarterback for Duke. Over under 260 and a half total yards. Riley Leonard has been a bit of a dual threat quarterback for the blue devils this year the sneaky blue devils at seven and three i i knew that they were putting together a respectable season but that seven and three number kind of just caught me a little off guard i I just really haven't paid much attention to the duke blue devils i usually leave them as an afterthought when it comes comes to football so squid what do you got riley leonard doing this saturday yeah like we said he's had some big passing games a lot of yards there but he's been all over the place. Uh, running the ball, he's had over 100 yards once or twice. He's Duke's leading uh, rusher. Yeah. I think Pitt has done a really good job containing running quarterbacks lately, so I don't think he'll do much of anything on the ground. Uh, this defense is firing all cylinders. So I'm going to say under. They'll have like 250, and it'll be pretty much all passing. Yeah, I... Struggle with this one because 260 is a lower number than I expected you to come out with. Um, and I already told myself that whatever number you put out, I was going to go under just because, I mean, we've watched the last two weeks, right? That this defense is in impeccable form. Oh, this is college. So sacks go against your rushing total. Yeah, I'm hammering the under because they're going to get them like four or five nine times and it's it's going to tank those numbers so easy money yeah the defense really rounded in form these past two weeks and i think we'll see that we'll talk about the line in a little bit but i think that's kind of reflecting with the odds makers Uh, i think maybe they're starting to realize that this pit team is coming into form a little bit too little too late with that said i think he's going to go over the 260 and a half i think pits do to let a quarterback shred them a little bit through the air, despite how good they've played these past two weeks. I just have watched enough pit football in my life that 
Uh, Narduzzi's defense is going to let up some deep balls. And I just think with that number, I think he can go over that. I don't think he'll kill them on the ground. Like you said, Squid Pitt's done a really good job on these running quarterbacks, containing them and getting after them and getting to them before they can get out of the pocket. But I do think he'll go over that 260 and a half mark. Yeah, for the record, he's throwing for 211 yards a game and rushing 62 yards a game. He has 13 passing touchdowns and 10 rushing touchdowns, which is quite a bit. Is Keaton Slovis the worst quarterback in the Coastal? I guess we can't do that after Brennan Armstrong's performance this past week. Yeah, And once again, what happened? We we did this all last week, but come on, man. He doesn't even look like the same person. Shell of himself, really. Okay, on to the next one. The Pitt defensive line has been turning it up these last couple games, leading the country in sacks, that Pitt defense. All that complaining we did, just the here we are. And I'll wear the brunt of that one. I complained a lot, uh, and it just goes to show how spoiled we are as Pitt fans when it comes to the pass rush because – we we harped and harped about how our potential first round defensive end and then the two other seniors who have looked insane um, and then all linebackers who are supposed to be great at blitzing. just They aren't getting home. They aren't getting home. You know, what's going on? And then uh, two good games later and we are the, the best. best in the country at getting to the quarterback. Yeah, eight sacks this past week, 14 over the past two games. I set the over under at four and a half. Where do we think we land this week? We're going to go over or under. See, it's tough. I want to say over because uh, we said Duke's quarterback runs the ball a lot. Maybe he'll be holding on to the ball a little bit longer, trying to escape. But Duke also a lot of quick passes, a lot of RPOs, a lot of quick outs. So I'm going to say. Uh, I really like this line, Dylan. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over. That was hard. Last second decision. It sounds like Leonard has only been sacked 13 times this year. Not not very much. Um, hasn't so played Pitt yet. That is true, and they have played a pretty terrible schedule so far, like comically bad. Their out-of-conference schedule included uh, Temple and Northwestern. So I I do like the Panthers to continue that streak, but um, it would not surprise me if we went to under and still were able to win that game for a lot of the reasons um, John mentioned, but also because it, it, it seems like Duke has done a pretty good job of keeping him off the ground, but I'm still going to go over because this is a pit podcast. I'm going to go under. I think they probably get him four times, but like you said, squid, a lot of quick passes. Uh, those are the teams that have been able to keep pit at bay. And that was why early in the season, we were upset with the sack numbers. So they can get, the ball out quick. I, I do agree if he's going to try to run around and scramble like he has against some other teams, I think he's going to quickly regret that when Kalaja Kansi just puts his head into the turf. But I'm going to go under on this one. But I, I will be very pleased. Hashtag PL34SED if uh, they can go over again. Because 
if nothing else, I want to be able to brag at the end of the season and hold up our most sacks in the country belt like we've like we've been able to do in, in the recent uh recent Make a banner and hang it next to the one that says we ran the ball in 2022. Okay. This one, this is a there's a lot of options for this one. There has been a passing game that you know has left us wanting a little bit more and some weapons on that offense that we would have liked to see a little bit more of this year. Who will be Pitt's leading receiver this week against Duke? Last week, it was Bub Means. He had his first touchdown catch as a Panther. Uh, should have at least been his second. We're not going to talk about the other touchdown. We aren't doing this. No, no. We're not going to do that. Okay. Who will lead the Panthers in receiving Put a dollar week? in the Tennessee jar. You're right. I'll start it off. I haven't started any yet. I'm going to go with Jared Wayne. Old reliable hero soldier. Senior day at Heinz Field slash Akersher. They better get him to him early and often because he deserves it. Um, do I get extra points if I pick Gavin Bartholomew? If Maybe can, one of the most criminally underutilized players in the country. If you can somehow get Signetti to throw him the ball more out of spite than be my guest. Uh, if I could do that, I would have done it months ago. Um, there was like a seven page argument on the lair about whether he should transfer or not. And I, I mean, there, there haven't even really been like rumors about it, but it was just purely out of, we have this unbelievable talent who we are making him put his hand in the dirt and pass block on 95% of plays. I would, I would give a couple of the fingers off of now I'll go with this hand. Cause I'm right-handed um, for him to stick around and for them to utilize him properly next year. Um, I don't think that Duke is the game, but I do think that if, you know, someone is due for a like 10 target 80 plus uh, yard game, it would be Kanate Mumfield. So I, I will go with Mumfield. I thought you were going to say a 10 target game for Gavin Bartholomew. I was like, yeah, he might not have that in the last two months, but change your mind to Mumfield. I got 17 it. catches, 17 catches on the season for Gavin Bartholomew. How he many finished, did he have last year? Do we know? Finished last season with 28 catches for 326 yards and four touchdowns. So he is on pace to have fewer catches this year with Lucas Crawl gone to the NFL. What was that all that we heard about Frank Signetti getting the ball into his playmaker's hands? How how do you see Gavin Bartholomew clear an SEC cornerback, hurdle him? ESPN number one play, number one play, and just no effort to get him the ball again the rest of the way. It is mind boggling. Somebody would talk. I'm done. I'm, I'm, mm, mm. I think I really want to say Bub means to be different. I think he had an impressive game last week. I'm going Jared Wayne. That was in senior day. They might need some more of the passing game than they've needed in the past few weeks. So they're going to go to old reliable Jared I w- Wayne. I will say Wayne has 
solidified himself as Slovis's favorite target. Yeah, um, there were you could tell UVA was intentionally uh, keying in on Jared Wayne every time Slovis was throwing him the ball. I mean, there were defenders draped on him. Sometimes a second defender coming over. He almost made a couple of miraculous catches. That he wasn't able to come down with. But it, it seems pretty clear that that's who Slovis trusts the most. And I mean, do you blame him? Not nope. even a little bit. Yeah. So I'm hoping for a big day from Jared Wayne as well. So this leads us into, is anyone going to have the courage to pick him for the first touchdown score? Once again, if I have to remind you of the rules, Izzy gets one point. Rodney Hammond gets two. Everyone else gets five. I'll take him. I'll take Jared Wayne. You I think we get a... I think we had a passing touchdown on the first drive to Jared Wayne. Like I said earlier, I was impressed with how willing they were to pass the ball down the field early in the game before it was just a blowout. Uh, I thought we'd get more of the same pound the rock until we can't. So maybe we'll sneak one by the Blue Devil defense. Um, also, just getting five points would be awesome. So I'm going to yeah, give a shot. How many points is the defense? Or special teams? Probably less than anybody else on the offense. <laughs> I was gonna say five. They've been they've been more consistent than anyone else in that regard, other than Izzy. Yeah, I'm still gonna go with Izzy. Um just because Take- I already regret not taking Jared Wayne for uh the receiving leader. So I gotta get free points somewhere. Take your point and keep it pushing. Mm-hmm. I'll go Rodney Hammond. I think Maybe someone else on the offense can be the first one to score a touchdown besides Izzy in a game he plays in. So, Rodney, I'll take the two points. Sure. So, the spread dropped. It opened at eight. We're looking at seven and a half as we stand today. Fellas, give me your score prediction. Do you think Pitt covers? Uh, and Give me a final score. Uh. I'm not taking the points for Pitt. Um, I think seven and a half is kind of a lot for this. And even though Pitt looks a lot better and they have covered in two consecutive games, um, Duke is not a bad football team. This is a seven and three football team that can score points, unlike our last two opponents. Um, So while I do like Pitt to win, and I'm going to put this one at like, 31-28, 31-28, I, I think seven and a half is a lot for a seven and three opponent. But Pitt is, I, I do feel the better team, and I think they are starting to feel themselves a little bit. I agree. I'm going to take Duke with the points, but I think Pitt wins 27-20. I think it'll be close. I think Duke's offense will methodically move the ball down the field something that Virginia's offense couldn't do like at all. So um, it'll be close, but the Panthers prevail. They get in the end zone just enough. Yeah. When the line opened at eight, I thought that was pretty high. And when Mm -hmm. something feels a little off, there's usually a reason for it. So I think pick covers. I think uh, they'll be able to cover the seven and a half. I'm going to go with a final score of 31 21. I think we get a heavy dose of Hammond and Izzy. I think Slovis takes care of the ball, gets the ball to Jared Wayne early and often, 
And I think the Panthers are able to cruise out of there with a victory and get the seven and four, uh, staring down that finale against Miami, the game that three months ago we thought was going to be the de facto coastal title game will now be aired at 8 p.m. on the ACC network, not because it's in prime time and they want to showcase it to the world, but because it's a toilet bowl, but because Pitt and Miami are playing and they needed to fill that 8 p.m. slot. Huh. And you and you guys are telling me that I should feel good about this season. Just one, baby. What you're going to do is you're going to wake your ass up at 7 a.m. on Saturday. You're going to get yep. to the gold lot in freezing cold weather. Correct. You're going to eat some breakfast. You're going to put in some ham warmers in those gloves, and you're going to get in the act and root for your Panthers. And you're going to be damn happy about it. Yes, sir. Hey, it's Jared Wayne Senior Day. We better show up and show out. As we go on, we remember all the times we had together. Please win. If for nothing else, for Jared Wayne. Now we have to make Graduation by Vitamin C the outro song. (laughs) Yeah. This just in, breaking news is breaking out everywhere. We recorded the majority of this episode on Sunday night, but then on uh, Monday we were met with the news that Pitt's super promising four-star quarterback recruit from the class of 2023 will not be a part of Pitt's 2023 recruiting class. Kenny Minchie uh, has decommitted from Pitt, um, likely to join the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and... uh, we, we knew we couldn't just kind of let this slide on this episode. We needed to sit down and, and take our medicine. And now you guys have to listen to us and take your medicine. So, uh, John, Dylan, what, help me make sense of this. It sucks extra bad because how excited we got. Like Even last week, uh, we broke the news that he enrolled as a student. And mm-hmm. we thought, well, that just about does it. Which, which he did. We are not backing down from that. Yeah, he did, but in our minds, we thought if you enroll as a student, you must be pretty locked in to go, even though it's not like anything binding. We thought he must have his mind made up, recruiting shut down, only to find out a few days later he's going to be visiting Notre Dame and actually just decommitted on the spot, basically. So, yeah, and enrollment has said, an athlete apparently doesn't mean anything. Like it's just a formality almost. Click a yeah. couple buttons, take you out of the system. Yeah. I mean, this is bad. This is very, very bad, as Stephen A. Smith would say. This is bad news for a multitude of reasons. One, Kenny Menchie was a four-star prospect that, by all accounts, was probably going to come in and be a guy that Pitt could build around and look to start. Maybe not as a true freshman, but probably as a redshirt freshman and kind of be a building block for the future of this program. Also, it's November. So most of those high school quarterbacks have committed elsewhere. This is very late in the process. And if Pitt wants to go get a guy, they're probably going to have to swoop in and steal him from somewhere else. So I'd have to think that they're going to hit the portal if they're going to want to bring in another quarterback to the the roster next year. Would you come to Pitt through the portal if you know that Slovis good chance to be back, I guess? There's really no clarity one way or the other, but you have to think he's not just going to throw away his last year of eligibility and, 
stop playing football or enter the draft for whatever reason, that that'd be a bad decision. Right. There's, Patty, there's no reason to think he's gone. Nick Patty will still be here until spring ball, at least. He's going to give it a shot in the competition, whether Slovis is here or not. Nate Yarno played, whether he stays or not, who knows? He might think he has a shot elsewhere, but it's not a, I'm going to come here and play right away. And right. there aren't that many guys who are young and promising that would want to go to a situation like this. So Pitt's almost in checkmate for this offseason, it seems like, unless Signetti and Whipple can pull a rabbit out of their hat. As unsettled as this quarterback room is at the University of Pittsburgh, it is also not an attractive destination. You're exactly right, John. It perhaps would only have been attractive to an incoming freshman, which is why, you know, a, a lot of people made jokes about, oh, we got Minchie, but can we keep him? Especially as his profile rose. Uh, a couple weeks ago, even it might have even been last week, Dylan, you you said, well, let's get him on campus before we crown him starter. And even though all that is true, and you know, in the back of my mind, I thought there was a possibility, this whole time all we had been hearing is he's he's very businesslike. Kenny hated the recruiting process. So he he committed to Pitt, and then that was kind of it for him. He didn't want to talk to any more recruiters, he didn't want to go on any more visits. Um, and that Notre Dame had been pushing for him since he committed. This is not new. This is not a last second push like what got at Not going to mention Addison, not going to say Addison, but like what got Addison to flip to USC. A last well, second I think push. this is a, a last second push. I think Notre Dame, but they've been on him Adam. for so long. Yeah, but it seemed like Minchie was like, hey, I'm going to Pitt. This is my decision. And then Notre Dame probably thought we have a few other guys that we want to take a a jab at hopefully we'll get one of these other guys to flip. I know they're looking at a guy from Florida. There's a couple other guys committed. They probably thought they can flip because they're Notre Dame and they didn't, they struck out on all of those other guys. And this was, I guess the most realistic flip option they had. It seemed like uh, the Notre Dame coaching staff made like one final hard push and it was just enough to get Canada change his mind. Maybe they made him a godfather offer. He couldn't refuse. Maybe I, I, I haven't heard and just to clarify, we haven't heard anything about NIL being involved in this. And I know people like to jump to that immediately nowadays. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of a two-sided coin. I could see why Notre Dame picked him as a target. They, they saw a four-star, a four-star quarterback on a team that treats the quarterback position. Like it does not exist and said, yeah, we'll go ahead and take that. But at the same time, I almost looked at it as looked at it as incentive for Kenny to stay because he could have participated in that quarterback competition next year. Meanwhile, at Notre Dame, they already have a five-star quarterback, I believe, lined up for the class of 2024. Someone that's going to be breathing down his neck the second that kid gets on campus. I don't know that that really matters anymore. Yeah, you can transfer, not sit out a year. I mean, look at what Quinn Ewers did at Ohio State. He got out of high school a year early, went and made $2 million in NIL money, and then it's like, oh, C.J. Stroud's really good. I'll just transfer to Texas now. And it's not really that big of a barrier. You get to go learn in that quarterback room. And if you can't start, well, guess what? There's going to be a lot of teams that will say, oh, we'll take the Notre Dame former four-star quarterback. He can come here, and we'll, we'll give him a ch- chance to play. So I don't know how much that really matters at this point in time with with just the nature i mean every quarterback who doesn't win the starting job in their first 
two years transfers nowadays. Like that's just the nature of quarterbacks in college football at this point. Who really wants to sit around and wait? So Kenny Minshew will go there. They're not loaded at quarterback as is. I understand there's a kid in the future class, but who's to say he'll end up at Notre Dame anyway? Minshew's probably looking at the Notre Dame option and say, I mean, I could go compete for the starting job there as well. So I I think it comes down to Pitt fans hate to hear, but Notre Dame is a much bigger brand and a blue blood, and that's bigger than Pitt. So a kid yeah. jumped on that opportunity. I think that's what it comes down to. I know there's a lot of people blaming Signetti, the offense, whatever, for the for uh, his decision. Notre Dame does not have a good passing attack. They threw for under 100 yards like a couple weeks ago. Uh, he didn't see like this air raid offense or some ridiculous offense that he'd go run and be a leader in the country in stats. It wasn't anything like that. Uh, I think it was just Notre Dame, bigger brand, bigger spotlight. Like if Pitt snuck out a game against Georgia Tech, if they won ugly against Louisville, we have two more wins. I don't think that stops anything. I think it was just if Notre Dame wanted them and they tried hard enough, they were going to get them. I I agree with both of your guys' sentiment that um, – this now, maybe is, if Keaton Slovis was a Heisman candidate, he'd stick around and this was like a continued thing, but I think that's I, that's a pipe dream. I was I was kind of gonna say I I wouldn't say that Notre Dame was gonna get him no matter what. I mean, I think part of what got Kenny Minchie to commit in the first place is he saw what we did with Kenny Pickett and he was like, Yeah, this could work for me. So I, I would say I think if if Pitt didn't kind of abandon the entire concept of having a quarterback that throws the forward pass, we we might still be looking at Kenny Minchie coming here, but we made a fundamental decision that this was going to be a power run football team that plays the old school style. And I you, you can't think that didn't factor into it. But again, I agree with you guys. Notre Dame comes knocking. It's kind of hard to turn away. I agree with that. I think it did play a role, but Notre Dame runs the ball more than we do. Right. So, but I, I think you can also justifiably, if you're a, a 18 year old kid, assume, all right. So Notre Dame and Pitt has, they both have their issues this year. Yeah. I think one is more likely to figure it out the following season than the other. Yeah. We're not as hot as we used to be. Fellas, this may be destiny. So I was texting with a friend earlier and they jokingly asked, is there any Temple quarterback commits that we can flip? I was like, oh, yeah. You know who flipped from Temple before? Yeah. Some, guy yeah. Named, some guy named Kenny Pickett. So I just went to look to see if they have a quarterback committed in this class. Tyler Douglas is committed to the Temple Owls for the class 2023. Quarterback 6'2", 190 from one Oakhurst, New Jersey. Hmm. Heard of that Plays place his before. high school ball at Ocean Township High School. Hmm. Know who else played their high school ball at Ocean Township? I know an alumni of theirs. That's right. Kenny Pickett. They named the field after him there. Where's number eight? Tyler Douglas. I mean, Narduzzi, if if Narduzzi isn't on the phone with Tyler Douglas and his parents right now, send them packing. Because it's it's destiny. The ocean to pit type pipeline going strong. It just makes way too much sense. And it does. honestly, at this point, 
this late in the recruiting process, wouldn't it just kind of be funny? Yeah. What do you have to lose? If you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. I'm sure we have a spot for an extra guy. We well, we do now. We, we traveled do. with <laughs> we do. Yeah, there's no quarterback in this class. Uh, we, we travel with three punters. We can make a spot for uh, an Ocean Township alum who wears eight. I can sling it. I watched his highlights already. Oh, I did too. Yeah, <laughs> very, very, very Pickett esque. Oh yeah. wow, he didn't take out any pylons in the highlights I watched. I was waiting for one of those, and then I like would fly out to Ocean Township to like give the opening pitch for Narduzzi like, on his <laughs> behalf. But he didn't take any pylons, so I, I'm still here. Ah, uh, well, I know, I know, we aren't supposed to take like every bad thing that happens to Pitt as like a a microcosm or symbol of what is wrong with the program. But it sounds like that's what you're gonna do anyway. Yeah, because right. yes, yesterday you guys you guys got me feeling a little bit better. You know, nine wins after an eleven win season, perfect. But I. Now I'm kind of thinking, um, you know, we were able to bridge the gap a, a little bit on the field, but man, would I have loved for them to be able to capitalize momentum wise off the field and without Minchie. This is a very unexciting recruiting class. I don't want to completely shoot that down because I get it. I, I get people wanted to see those four stars and I, get that like Hakeem Williams was talked up as someone we were going to get for months or we were at least in the conversation for, and it really felt like that ACC championship was going to bring us all these big time recruits. I can't really care that much about recruiting anymore because half those guys are going to transfer. Half of them are going to be really good. Cervasia Dennis and Kalajic Hansi esque players for us. And then the bottom half will be guys who never see the field. So, and it's never going to be the ones that we anticipate or guess are going to be good. You know who who else was the savior for pit football when we recruited him? Thomas McVitie. You know who else was the savior for pit football four star quarterback? Chad Voitick. So, I mean, to sit here and act like Minchie was going to start from day one that all these pit fans thought was going to happen, like half these kids suck. Like half the four star and five star quarterbacks just suck in college. Listen, I'm, and not I'm, to say Minchie will suck. I don't want to be yeah. the guy who's bashing a high school court <laughs> recruit for decommitting. I'm just saying the hit rate on highly rated quarterbacks is just so low that I can't get that upset over it. There were people on Twitter saying that this is a fireable offense. Coaches well, no, no, that, that's stupid. Comments. That is stupid. I will, I will concede that that is a stupid take. But I, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. There is a direct correlation between recruiting success and on the field success, unless you are Texas A and M. There are, there are a million metrics and statistics to prove it. And I know that they have done a good job finding diamonds in the rough in the past, and that recruiting rankings don't mean as much as Pitt because they do a good job turning three stars into NFL talent. But if and, and if you want Pitt to be between six and nine wins for the rest of forever with a chance to compete for the ACC championship every once in a while, fine. But I I wanted them to parlay last year's success into being a perennially pretty good football program, and that is just not happening. They they have not 
brought in big name recruits. They have not competed with anyone that we've even outperformed the last two years. And from everything I'm hearing, Narduzzi is basically refusing to utilize NIL in terms of recruitment. So now we're just kind of heading right back into where we were the last couple of years. And yes, Pat Narduzzi has raised the floor on this program. You aren't going to see a lot of six win seasons with Pat Narduzzi at the helm, but this was our opportunity to leverage success into greater success. And I think that we have fully squandered it. I think fully is a bit too far because as much as you should be able to parlay an ACC championship into improving your recruiting and whatnot. One, I would say Pitt actually, whether it's going to result in this 2023 class or not, Pitt has gotten a lot more big name and high level recruits on campus in two games and on visits than they have in the past. And that's for future classes as well. We've had multiple five-star receivers uh, at the Tennessee game earlier this year. That, that didn't happen before and there's also a piece of me that's like we have to win more than one year we have to have, be really good for more than one year before every uh, before these kids start looking at pit like oh yeah that's a marquee program part of that success like one flash in the pan season isn't going to just turn you into a powerhouse there are teams who have good year i mean we have to string that together and that's why i was saying earlier um when we were talking about like, yes, sir, we're talking about 20 wins in two seasons. Like, I think that would be a big benchmark to say, like, we're moving on to that next level. And s- continued sustained success and getting these bigger guys on campus for these bigger games. Um, I think that's a piece of it. And we can be disappointed about this year's recruiting class because there's no four stars or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it, it's got to be the continued winning success on the field. And I think that's the bigger issue right now. If we could have pulled out those wins, that would be... I don't I don't think they've just squandered any any momentum they had. If you if you want to maintain that incremental increase in success, you know, I'm not saying go out there and we won an ACC championship, go get all four and five stars. But you got to hold on to your commitments from talented players. You got to leverage your resources around you like NIL and you cannot completely throw away the style of play that won you games. I'm I'm making this Kenny Minchie decommitment into a, a bigger thing than it should, but man, I'm I'm just kind of getting frustrated with what appears to be happening to the program. Well, let's see how the season plays out. If they can get the nine wins, will that at least calm you down a little bit? Is that a co- good consolation? A cheese it bull win? Nine wins and they poach a passable quarterback from a lesser program before uh january and then yes i will quiet down but are you guys going to jump onto the ledge with me if we drop one to duke or miami probably okay cool deal slovis will be the starting quarterback next year i'm just planting my flag and will not be removing it if you think anyone else is starting for Pitt next year i've got a bridge to sell you in south oakland slovis and signetti in year two look out I know you're right, but that doesn't make it any easier to stomach. I hate college football, and I hate both of you. Sorry. (laughs) All we can do is laugh. Please recruit a quarterback. (laughs) Please win and please steal a quarterback.